go. Howdy, welcome to another episode of Tales from the Pits. This is Brian. And Andrew. And this is the one where we talk about ribs. Yeah, we're uh, knee-deep in pop-up prep right now. We've got briskets on the pits. Uh, we're cooking a whole lot of meat and sides and all the goodies and condiments for uh, the Hop Stop 2-year birthday, which uh, we're not going to bother plugging too much in this episode because by the time you hear it, the pop-up and the party will have already happened. But uh, we're doing... Just to give you a glimpse of the menu, if in case you don't follow us on social media, we'll be doing brisket, uh, full pork spare ribs, uh, a special sausage, which is kind of a riff on a jalapeno cheese that we came up with. We've got an That's off menu. Oh, Lord. And we're not even tired yet. Uh, off menu special of uh, some brats that we made um, with uh, what beer did we use in that, Brian? Uh, 11 Below, Oso Bueno. That's a brown ale. Um, and we'll also have the tater tot casserole, which is becoming more and more popular in Texas these days, it seems. <laughs> we'll also have... We uh, love you, Opies. <laughs> we do. We, uh, we'll also have uh, potatoes are gratin, because who doesn't have enough potatoes in their life? Um, coleslaw, or more of a summer slaw type vinegary base. And uh, we'll be doing some barracho beans as well on top of that for the nighttime, because we're serving from noon until 8 or so or until we pass or, out of exhaustion yeah pass out or sell out whichever comes first um but we'll also have some brisket chili on the menu and uh some or pit chili i should say it's gonna have some ground beef in there i'll have some brisket a uh, little bit of everything and then a brisket stew um that will that brian has uh generously how do you want to phrase had it? Had influence from had John it? Miller, yes. Yes, the one, the only John Miller. Uh, Black Box Barbecue up in Georgetown. Shout out to John. I had it, and it just rocked my world. So, again, it's it's our our take on what it is. But, uh, um, you know, it's it's hard to screw up a stew, which is a good thing, because I try to find ways to screw up everything. <laughs> uh, but, no, it's it's good. It's hot. It's it's savory. The um, And I... I don't know if you really went into the chili as four horsemen yep so i we, didn't i should have plugged that yeah you know that'd be a good idea <laughs> so you know we we um we smoked the chilies after cleaning them um, we smoked our peppers then we put them in a dehydrator and then we ground them to a little fine dust and then the other magical ingredients go into the to the chili it's a chili powder base powder, that we yeah. make up. Yeah, we call it our Four Horsemen chili powder because it's got the same peppers that our Four Horsemen sauce has, just in dehydrated powdered form. Um, and then we—that's uh, our base for our chili. So yeah, we because uh, we, we like to take two weeks to make a dish. Uh, right. Yeah. I mean, we think a little outside the box, and we try to be a little creative here and there, um, just to kind of throw our spin. I mean, everyone's had good chili in their lives, so we just try to do something a little different, bring a little something different to the table. Um, obviously, we'll ha- we do. Our, pretty much everything in-house. We're not making our own white bread because who has the time or space for that? But uh, we'll be doing some uh, dill pickles, bread and butter pickles, and uh, pickled red onions. And uh, I think that's it. And that's all we're officially serving up. Yeah. Uh, so. We're going to have some of the spiced pecans, but that's we probably won't even leave the house oh, before we eat delicious. them all. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, that's for another podcast. We'll go into spiced pecans a little later. Let's uh, Let's get into the topic of the day. Um, we've had some people ask us about some cooking tips and things like that, and you know, we'll always be the first to tell you we're not experts. Uh, we we try to make good barbecue. We think our barbecue is you know pretty solid, um, 
But, you know, we don't claim that we're serving the greatest this or the greatest that. We go and we eat the greatest barbecue all the time. Um, but, you know, we have cooked a good amount of meat in our days at this point. So uh, we'll give you a few tips on things that we've learned, some, some lessons we learned the hard way by messing things up ourselves. Um, but let's uh, t- and some things that you're very stubborn about. So yeah, to... <laughs> I, I know I, I'm hard-headed. Anyone that's known me long enough knows that. Um, that's not not to say that I don't think I think my way is the best way. But it's when when we've trialed and errored things, and there's ways to cut corners, but it's going to affect the quality. Uh, I'm kind of stubborn about that. But you are too. Yep. You're just not as hard-headed as me. <laughs> <laughs> just in different ways. Just in different ways. Um, so, you know, we're talking about ribs, and when we're talking about ribs, we usually talk about pork ribs. Right. This is not the beef rib special. This is the pork rib special. Right. I mean, we've done beef ribs before, but uh, it's not something we do a lot because they're expensive. They take up a lot of pit space. Um, it's just a uh, it's an expensive cut of meat. But pork ribs are a pretty standard Texas item and other, I mean. And you can get them at any grocery store. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no. they're, they're pretty readily available um, in different forms, and we'll go into that. But most styles of barbecue that we'll go, we'll go through will have pork ribs, whether that's whether that's Carolina, Memphis, St. Louis, Texas. There's there's pork ribs on most barbecue menus across the country, whereas brisket's a, of course more of a Texas thing. Um, so we personally prefer full spare ribs as far as cooking. Um, Brian, you want to go into... Yeah, let's talk about the ribs. Right. Yeah, before we get into why you're so stubborn on spares. Um, You know, with pork ribs, there's really only about three primary cuts. uh, Baby backs, spares, and St. Louis. And baby backs are off the... They're the shorter bones, kind of curled. They're they're on the back Um, of the pig. That's why they're called baby backs. (laughs) Exactly. Um, But yeah, I mean, there's a little less meat on a baby back unless you get really meaty baby backs. Um, they tend to have a shorter cooking time than your spare ribs, certainly, and, and, and your St. Louis. Um, and you can play around with them a little more. I, I personally like the sweet and spicy profile that you can get on a baby back, and I think it works really well with them. Um, we've done them a couple of times. We don't do them a whole whole lot. but They're uh, actually a good rib to start with. Oh, they really are. They, I you don't them. have to trim them. They're ready to go. Um, easy to cook. They're a little bit shorter time. It's not a bad, it's not a bad rib to start with, but... From a, a flavor of the meat itself, we prefer the, the cut off the spares in the, in the St. Louis. Right, and the, uh, the spare ribs, you'll get what we call the knuckle meat, or it's commonly referred to as the knuckle meat. Um, it's with the spare, the, with the spare ribs, originally the, full, the breastbone is attached, um, which you do have to trim part of the breastbone, or typically you will trim part of the, the breastbone. We usually do. Um, and if you can find ways to repurpose it, obviously no one wants to throw meat in the trash. Um, we're going to be using the breast bones that we trimmed. It's going to go into our barracho beans and help give a more porky flavor to the beans. Some, some people will save them. Some restaurants will save them and once a week have rib tips. If you've ever seen rib tips for sale, right? That's, that's the cut that you're cutting off of the spares. And so instead of throwing it away, um, and, and that's kind of leads to, you know, we really like that extra piece of meat on there. You get some cartilage in it. The bone goes sideways instead of lengthways, but so you kind of have to chew it and spit the bone out. But it's it's so fatty right there. It's so tasty. Right. right there. Yeah. There, there's a lot of flavor in there, and that's you know, that's why we prefer them. And a lot of the a lot of the joints across Texas, you'll see a mix of them. You'll see some St. Louis in a lot of places. You'll see some full spares. Um, some of our favorite ribs are kind of a mix now. It used to be where majority of my favorite ribs were all full spare ribs, but there are some places making some really killer St. Louis ribs. And the St. Louis, since we haven't gone into that yet, is is a full squared off 
trim of yeah, the I mean, spare you can, rib. You can start, you can do it yourself if you really want to throw meat away, is you can start <laughs> with spare ribs and cut farther down so you're cutting past the knuckle um, and you just have that long bone in there on each one. And, you know, it's less meat. The benefit if you're, if you're just starting out, though, is that it is easier to, you don't have to trim. Right. I mean, they come pre-trimmed. It's, yeah, it's, it's turnkey ribs. Like, you can cut them out of the package, season them, and get them on the pit right away. Um, and, and to me, personally, just cooking them, because there's that you don't have that knuckle meat and there's a little bit less fat, to me, it's been – I've personally dried out St. Louis ribs before a little faster than a, than a spare rib might dry out. So you just kind of have to be a little careful. Watch your pit. Watch your temperatures. Um, knowing when your ribs are done, which we'll get into a little bit. Um, but those, those are your St. Louis cuts and, uh, Regal's makes some fantastic St. Louis cut ribs. They're some of my favorite ribs in Texas right now. Um, some of the full spares, uh, Franklin uses full spares, Truth, Snows uses full spares. Um, Corkscrew, those giant, giant, I think they're Duroc, but they're just giant yeah, bones. Yeah, cor- giant, Corkscrew's giant. ribs, if you get a middle cut rib from a Corkscrew rack, oh my God, they are humongous. Hey, and I think they're still doing it. You can buy one rib you can i think it's like three dollars a rib unless the menu's changed it's been a a little bit since i've been there don't raise the price (laughs) just because we talk about it right and a great i mean three bucks for one of those giant ribs is a really good deal yeah no it really is um so those are some of our favorite ribs i mean there's there's a lot of good ribs out there and and some people tell you oh you can't screw up a rib yeah you can can. we have (laughs) we've tasted some and we've cooked some that have been pretty uh, harder to screw up than a brisket but Right. Is you can definitely screw them up. And it's and one of the reasons that, you know, for the longest time when I first started smoking meat, I didn't smoke briskets that often. I would smoke ribs more often because it's just a shorter cook time. It doesn't take up your whole night and your whole day. And, you know, when I was cooking briskets by myself or a brisket by myself, by the time it was ready, I didn't want to eat it. I was yeah. so tired. <laughs> and, and, you know, talk about things like wood or charcoal, whatever you're using to cook, um, you know, the expense of it's surprising when you look at the expensive wood for a brisket cook. And if you're just cooking one brisket on your pit and you're, you're going to go through, you know, 12, 15 logs, I mean, that's, that's easily, depending on where you go, that can be anywhere from, from seven to $15, depending on how much you're paying for your wood. Right. So one brisket. And that's, you know, so it's a little bit more efficient because you can cook three or four racks of ribs and you use half as much wood. Right. And your typical cook time on ribs is going to be about four and a half to five hours. If you're cooking at what we would call consider a normal temperature, anywhere between 250 and 275, you can go a little hotter than that. You just kind of have to watch your ribs, spray them down. Um, we usually try to spray our ribs every 45 minutes to an hour, give or take, once we start getting temperatures up there in the 275 range. Um, and flip them over, take a look at them. If you're starting to get some dark bones, um, it might be time to wrap. Uh, we usually do about three hours unwrapped if we can. Yeah, let's, let's get back to sure. picking out your ribs and Okay, okay, I'm getting ahead and, of Yeah, everything. no, you're getting weird. You're like, already done. Sorry, episode's <laughs> over, folks. Have a good day. Um, no, so let's go through kind of the, the process. I mean, you know, decide which one you want. The St. Louis ribs are going to be more prevalent at your grocery stores. You know, HEB is going to carry those. Um, sometimes they'll carry spares, but not always. Right. Um, you can get them at places like Costco. Um, you know, there's many yeah. places you can get them, but just... no, though I, I, Costco's usually St. Louis. I don't know oh, that I've seen St. full Louis. spares at Costco I don't have a before. membership, so I'm just pretending. Gotcha. I'm there. I'm there all the time. Um, I don't think I, I've I seen full spares. I saw it on Idiocracy. There you Welcome go. Welcome to Costco. I love you. <laughs> so, yeah, the, the, the St. Louis are the most readily available. You can usually find the, the spares in the baby backs as well, though. You just got to look around a little more for those. Sometimes maybe. on sale, um, you know, and that's a good point is, is shop around and keep your eyes out. Um, 
I'm not going to name the place, the grocery store, but um, some grocery stores are inject their meats with a, a brine um, or a, I guess you'd call it a brine. It's a salty water, right? Um, and I absolutely despise that. Um, you know, HEB does not. Um, many others do not. Um, I, I don't have a particular brand of ribs. Smithfield are usually pretty prevalent at the stores as well. Yeah, I mean, Smithfield is one of the more popular, ready, readily available brands. Um, but ribs are pretty easy to find as far as picking out what rack looks best. I mean, with brisket, it's a lot trickier trying to make sure that you've got a flat that's not too skinny on one side and make sure the fatty doesn't have nothing but fat, which we've run into on a couple of briskets a in the past. A big dorsal fin. Right. Um, so you just have to be careful with a brisket, whereas ribs are pretty uniform. I mean, you want to try to take a look at the package, make sure that there's a good amount of meat on the bone. But uh, If you're cooking more than one rack, you don't want a five-pound rack and a seven-pound rack. You want right. to try to keep them around the same same weight just so they'll finish about the same Right, time. so you have consistent cooking times and things like that. But um, it's, it's not as much of a you know, look and feel thing as brisket is when you're picking out a rack of ribs, or at least not, not in my experience anyway. Yeah. So you grab them, take them home. Um, trimming wise, we'll talk about um, spares because those are the ones that do need some kind of trimming. Um, you know, as, as Andrew mentioned, there's a, that little breastbone piece and you kind of shape it a little bit. Um, talk about the slice because it's kind of weird when you're cutting through. Yeah, I mean it's not a, it's not a straight cut. You've got to kind of follow along, and as you as you start to cut into the side of the breastbone, you you can kind of feel where that bone is, and just kind of guide your knife along the edge of that bone, and it'll stop about three or four bones into the rib, is where the breastbone stops. So you can kind we'll of take some pictures. Yeah, well, yeah, we can post some pictures up as well because we'll be trimming some uh, pork ribs tonight for uh, for the pop up tomorrow. So uh, you follow along, follow that bone, and, and cut up until you get to the edge of that bone. And again, if you can find a way to repurpose it and save it, you know, no waste is always the best way to go. Um, again, beans work. We, we've tried to use it in sausage before. The only problem is it's a lot of, a lot of bone and a lot of cartilage in there. You spend a long time trimming away to get not really all that much meat. So you could certainly do it, but it's it's very labor intensive for not a whole high of a yield. So, um, and, and surprisingly, to kind of go back on why people are okay buying St. Louis, is the price of St. Louis are usually around the same price of spares. So typically, you're, sometimes you'll even seem cheaper. Right, and so if you're throwing away that extra hunk of meat, your spares are going up even more. Right, in, yeah, in your price. per pound price goes way up at that point. So, uh, so it's, it's something to keep in mind as well. There's a lot of factors that go into selecting which rib is the one you want to use. Um, but after you've trimmed that breastbone off, um, what I'll usually try to do is the end of the rib, it's, there's a little flap or flank, if you want to call it. Um, there tends kind of to be outside a, the bone, right, right outside the bone. You'll tend to see a good pocket of fat on, on the side of that. You, you can trim a little bit off or you can leave it on the, the edge of that rack tends to burn up on the pit. Anyway, there's only so much you can do. Um, but you just kind of keep, uh, keep that in mind, trim it a little bit, but it's going to be one of those, if you like the good crunchy bacony sort of end cut ribs, that's going to be where you get them from. Right. And sometimes you can leave a, you know, don't trim all the way to the bone. You want to leave a little on there because it's also sacrificial while you're cooking. Right. That you can cut it off when you serve it. Um, but <clears throat> we always just leave it on the pit and that's like our snack while we're cooking. Pretty <laughs> much. Because it, it finishes so early. Um, so you've got it trimmed up now membrane or no membrane um, not to be insane in such but um, there is a membrane on the back side of the ribs it is um, 
if you have to describe it, once you pull it off, it's kind of like a thin plastic sheet. It's, it's membrane, it's, and it's not plastic, but I mean, it's hard to kind of describe what it is as far as when you peel it off. Yeah, it's like a thin film on the back of the ribs. It's, I mean, it's membrane. Um, and if you look, majority of the barbecue restaurants you'll go to, I would say probably 95% of the barbecue restaurants you go to, don't remove the membrane from the ribs. Biggest reason for that is it's time constraints. Volume, if, yeah. yeah if, you're, if you're cooking 40, 50 racks of ribs a day and you're trying to remove their membrane on all of them, it's gonna take some time. Uh, you know, on top of that, it does help if you te if you overcook the rib a little bit and the membrane's on there. It helps it hold structure and hold shape a little better as well. Um, but the biggest reason is time. Uh, but if you're only cooking one or two racks at home, you know you can always remove the membrane. We do because um, we don't we don't cook a huge volume of ribs at a time most of the time. And even I don't think we've ever not removed the membrane. Yeah, we always do. But uh, if we were cooking forty or fifty at a time, that probably would change. Yeah. <laughs> But and it doesn't and it doesn't change, you know, while you're cooking the meat, it doesn't really change the flavor much. It's not like the membrane is holding back the smoke from the rest of the rib because it's on the back side of the rib anyway. Um, but it's just when you're eating the rib, um, it's a little bit more pleasant if you're not biting into that membrane. There's a little bit more meat you can take off right. if the ribs go, if the membrane's gone. Yeah, and so the easiest way to remove the membrane is and you just kind of have to get your hands dirty a little on this one. Um, if you start at the very end of the ribs, the last bone, and try to kind of work your finger underneath the membrane on that last rib. In between the bones. In between the bone, kind yeah. Of dig in a little bit. Yeah. Right, in between the bone and kind of get it started pulling away a little bit from the bone. Um, once you've got a good amount of that pulled away from the bone, you can take a paper towel, grab that membrane, and usually you can... It's not that you can take a paper towel, you should use a paper towel. You should. Because what I found... I wasn't doing it at first, and it's like your hands just keep getting slippery, and you can't get good leverage on it. Right. It you helps. take the paper towel. It's, a, it's huge. Yeah, it helps the grip. Up. And you can usually get it off in pretty much one piece after that. No, I that. can't. I can never get it off <laughs> I'll just tell you that right now. Sometimes there's there's scoring marks from when they uh, harvested the pig. Yeah. And and it'll peel off. It's got a nice sharp line, but that's because when they were cutting it. Right. And, and there's also, we haven't talked about yet, there's also some meat on the backside of the rib as well, and some people call it chain meat. It's that little thin piece of meat that kind of goes on a diagonal, a flap, a flap yeah. on the back of the ribs, which some people keep on, some people take off. Um, it, it can tend to burn up a little bit on the rib. It just kind of depends on, uh, on what you're doing. Um, we actually have a FedEx delivery coming, so we're going to pause this podcast. All right. After that interruption, we're back. Right. Um, yeah, we had a FedEx delivery. It was a uh, barbecue butter <laughs> that my brother-in-law was shipping to me. Um, and it is made with Meat Church Honey Hog Rub. So uh, shout out to Meat Church. Yeah, it looked like it was just cream, Meat Church Honey Hog Rub, and uh, some other, one other ingredient. So yeah, pretty interesting. Much. Can't wait to try it. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll try to work that into something we're cooking in the next day or so. Um, but uh, we, we left off talking about membranes and ribs, and so we'll we'll get back into that. And the flap. And the flap. The chain. Yeah, the uh, the chain meat on the back Working of the ribs. The so gang. getting back into that. Um, again, some people leave them on, some people cut it off. That's at least meat you can use. Yeah. Uh, and it's going to probably burn or dry up. Right. It's it, so thin. Right. It's a thin piece of meat and it's sitting great side down for a majority, if not all of your cook. And so it's, it's not going to be very tasty to eat, but, uh, you can cut that off. Again, you can use it in beans, you can use it in sausage, you can use it in a lot of different things. So, uh, it's, uh, it's a better piece of meat than the breastbone because it's more easily utilized, but we usually will trim that off when we cook our ribs. Um, so now you've got your ribs trimmed up. 
now it's time to season and uh, we use a mostly salt and pepper rub we throw a couple other things in there you can get a little more creative with ribs than you know certainly brisket i don't think sweet really works on brisket at all um, and the competition circuit is one thing because that's a whole different thing and if you haven't listened to our recent interview with jim buchanan bucks barbecue we go into that a little more with jim um, who has got a big competition background but uh but with ribs you can go a little more of a sweeter profile i think pork lends itself more to that um, so you can throw a little brown sugar in the rub if you'd like to um, we throw a little paprika in as well um, to it gives a nice color to the ribs as well it really does yeah. i mean it, it uh it, beautiful beautiful ribs i mean they can you don't have to have it in there but i think it really does and if you're going to get paprika don't get uh you know the generic cheapest paprika you can um, find a smoked paprika you don't have to get crazy we get a little crazy and we have some very expensive paprikas that we use but um, it, that smoked paprika just had so much more flavor. Right, and they do make hot paprika, so be careful. Don't accidentally grab and use the <laughs> hot paprika because that will uh, take your ribs to a totally different level. But, uh, yeah, we use a little of that for color. There's a few other things that we use. Um, but it's, again, majority of it's salt and pepper. Cause that's... You don't want to take away from the flavor of the rib. Right. You... I and mean, it's just like brisket. You know, you can throw all kinds of wacky crap in there. Right. Um, you you want it to weird act, brisket. Yeah. But, you, know, you want it to right. act, you know, to help showcase the meat, but you don't need it to totally cover up the flavor of the meat, or at least that's not what we choose to do. Um, so once you've got it seasoned up, got your season pit. both sides. Yeah, season, season both sides. Around. We season the the bone side a lot less aggressively, obviously, than the meat side, but we do throw a little seasoning on the back side of the rib as well. Um, and then you got your pit up to about you know two fifty, two seventy five ish and uh, get those ribs on there and we can talk a little bit about woods and charcoal and all of that you know um, pork tends to in my opinion people in the competition people in the barbecue whatever pork tends to do a little bit better with the fruitier woods if you want to do that um, if you want to make some you know it, i i think that pork lends itself better when you're using um, you don't have to use just plain oak. You can play around and use a little whatever's available. Just don't spend a lot of money on it. Right. I mean, we use the same wood that we use for the rest of our cooks, which is, you know, red oak and a little bit of pecan thrown in there as well. Um, so you, you get your logs on, get your fire going, get those ribs on there. And then we usually leave them alone completely for about the first hour. Just kind of let them start to get some color, maintain the temperature in your pit. And then uh, we'll, we'll check them about, about an hour or so into give them a little spritz you know if we're cooking more than one rack at a time which we usually do we'll move them around rotate them right yeah know your hot spots on your pit know your cold spots and and rotate your meat accordingly um unless you unless you've got one of those pits that is even throughout over um then you're gonna have to rotate which uh same thing with brisket same thing with pretty much any meat you're cooking um you, you rotate it to make sure you're cooking evenly and not getting too much color or too much uh burn on the on the meat itself so uh, after about an hour or so, we'll, uh, we'll spritz. You can use, I mean, you can use pretty much anything you want. You, the world is yours, but you can use water, straight water. You can use apple cider vinegar, apple juice, a mix of any of the, you know, the above. And uh, just kind of the biggest reason for that is it doesn't add a ton of flavor to it. If you use an apple juice, you'll add a little more sweetness to the rib. But the biggest thing is getting that surface temperature down a little bit, trying to keep that rib from getting too dark too fast right you don't want the outside to be crunchy and the inside to be barely cooked right. trying to get an even all the way through if you can right so so yeah i mean we we kind of keep an eye on that and then usually again about about three hours in once we got the color that we're looking for on the ribs which you know you kind of look for that red mahogany 
pretty color on your ribs and then that's when it comes wrap time and that's where we talk about sauce versus no sauce glaze versus no glaze um it's personal preference there's some very popular joints that we love the ribs from that sauce there are some that don't um you know like kreitz market i know straight salt pepper you know maybe a little bit else but they don't they don't sauce their ribs um i, I think you know truth does a glaze style switch does a uh, a nice spicy glaze on their ribs that uh, Chris McGee brought over with him from Friedman's when uh, when he was at Friedman's they were doing that as well. Jalapeno jelly. Yep, it's a uh, it's a good rib. But uh, if you do choose the sauce, um, our our recommendation is don't go super heavy with the sauce. You don't want to drown the ribs in the sauce. You want preferably you want the the sauce to cook onto the rib and help add a little flavor, help add color. Uh, but you don't in Texas barbecue anyway. The, the the preference tends to be for the customer not to have tons of sauce sitting on top of the rib. You just want you want that nice feel of sauce and, and color of sauce, but you don't need necessarily need a whole lot of it, you know, caked onto the rib. I moved the cable. Sorry, <laughs> there's a little noise. We're having some technical difficulties apparently. <laughs> I think that's where the noise was coming from. Um, <clears throat> So, you know, sauce is a good thing because it, it helps you um, obviously prevent drying out. It, it's kind of a crutch, if you will. You know, I don't want to use Texas crutch because that's something that's used for brisket and foil. But um, it, it's, if you're experimenting, yeah, use a little sauce. And don't use anything super hot. <laughs> right. And you don't want anything super sweet either. A ton of sugar on the, in the sauce that you're using could lead to kind of a burn effect on the ribs as sugar caramelizes with heat. Uh, so you kind of want to be mindful of that, be careful of that, and uh, and, and plan accordingly for that. And we're going to go ahead and pause right here because we've got to uh, check some briskets out. All right. Once again, we're back. All right. Yeah, we just had to... Uh, Pesky briskets. Yeah, had to check some fires and spritz some briskets and all that good stuff. So uh, going back to the ribs. We're about three hours in. Three hours in, talking about saucing. Um, again, not too sweet of a sauce because uh, you don't want to... Uh, caramelize up and make some weird funky dome on your top of your ribs so uh once once we add the sauce thunder dome <laughs> two men enter one man leaves what okay he's getting delirious <laughs> folks once we uh once we add the sauce on we usually will wrap the ribs and i know you've seen and heard a lot about butcher paper peach paper briskets yada 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 well we don't use butcher paper on ribs most people don't um more than anything you, you don't want you want moisture retention and that's kind of what you look for with wrapping briskets and butcher paper um, but you don't want too much leakage out of your ribs when it comes to the sauce that you just put on there and things like that and your butcher paper will tend to bleed and things like that so we wrap in foil um, some some places once they wrap in the foil they might put the ribs face down some might leave them face up um, face down kind of helps the the sauce cook on there a little faster uh, so once you once you put that on there, you wrap your wrap them up good. We usually wrap in two layers of foil, just in case you've got a rib bone that pokes through the first layer. You're not losing all the juice out of the ribs because you've got a hole in the foil, things like that. So wrap them up nice and tight, put them back on the pit um, for probably another hour and a half or so. Just kind of play around with it. What, what are you looking for, Ryan, when you're trying to see if your ribs are done? Um, I have no idea. Yes, you do. <laughs> <laughs> If I want to see if I, if they're done, I mean, I'm not going to look for the pullback. That's kind of a fake. That's kind of a false one. You know, just be, it's kind of like um, pullback on ribs. And what I'm talking about is how much of the bone you can see. 
Um, that's a little bit like um, a smoke ring on a brisket. You know, it, it's not 100% related to how done they are. It's a good idea. Right. It's kind of how we feel about the bend test on a brisket, yes. too. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> if I you, can you bend might any have, brisket. Right. Yeah, just a little aside. You might have seen that on uh, Instagram or social media a lot when someone takes, like, a slice of their brisket and puts it on their finger and, oh, look how much it bends. That must mean it's great. We've had some really bad brisket. Yeah. Most brisket will bend. If it's not bending, you've really done something weird. But... Uh, just because your brisket bends over your finger does not mean it's good, I promise. Uh, hopefully, I mean, hopefully it's good, but it's definitely no assurance. And then same thing with the pullback thing on the ribs. Just because the bone is starting to be exposed doesn't mean the ribs are done. Um, you can tempt the ribs. Uh, I've heard people say 185 or so is done on a rib, this or that. If you're going to tempt the ribs, which we don't, um, but if you're going to, you want to definitely tempt the middle ribs, the fattiest, meatiest rib in the middle of the rack, because if that's done, then obviously the outside bones are done. The outside bones are going to be done long before the middle bone is. Um, but if you're going to temp it, you want to temp in between the bones on the medius ribs um, up of the rack. And it's, I don't know, about five ribs in, I guess, if you're trying to count. And I like, I like touching the ribs, <clears throat> you know, with a glove on. <laughs> but I like touching the ribs. And, and that's something that you're not going to learn cooking one or two racks of ribs. And I didn't learn it cooking one or two racks of ribs. Um, but you're looking for a certain type of resistance. Um, it, you know, it's similar to a brisket, but it's completely different feel. Right. But it's the same concept of you're looking for when you push it, it needs to to go in a little bit, but it needs to it doesn't need to bounce back like a rubber trampoline. Right. And also when you pick up the ribs, now here's where the bend test does have a little more validity to it than on a brisket. Um, if you hold a rack of ribs and it and it folds easily from the middle. That, that's if a, you're afraid it's going to break in half, right. it's probably done. Right, and, and it's got a really easy bend, and you're worried about it pulling apart, then you're definitely in that sweet spot. Um, ribs are a little more forgiving than brisket in terms of doneness, overdone. We always tell people if you're going to shoot for overdone or underdone, always shoot for over because the common misnomer of fall off the bone ribs is... If somebody tells you that your ribs are great because they fell off the bone, that means you overcooked your ribs. It means you overcooked, but also that's a better compliment than if they're chewy. Yeah. So yeah. you know if you're gonna shoot for one or the other, um, always a little bit better to go over a perfectly cooked rib. You'll be able to bite into it. It'll it'll be nice and it'll pull cleanly off the bone, but you can actually kind of see the outline of your teeth. That's a. If it's hard to get there. Yeah, um, it should pull easy off the bone. Now a lot of times. If you have mushy ribs, which, for lack of a better term, um, that means you've overcooked them. They may not quite be falling off the bone, but as soon as you try to take that bite, they fall off the bone. You should have not. You shouldn't have to work to bite them off the bone, but it, it should be an actual textural feel when you're biting it off the bone. Um, but a good way to, like I said, the the, the bend thing is a, is a decent indication. Um, it really is a by feel thing. The more you cook them, and, and the beauty of ribs is they're a lot cheaper to experiment with than a brisket. So. You know, you don't want to cook 10 briskets to get good at making one, but you can cook five racks of ribs to get good at making one, and it's a lot less of a investment and hurt on your wallet. So uh, w once they're done, you know, pull them off the pit, let them rest like any other type of meat. It has to rest. It has to cool down. You don't want to slice in your ribs right away. You don't want to slice right into an 180, 190-degree rib because you're going to just— And resting means, like, on a countertop— um, you can stick it in an oven that's not turned on, 
um, but you don't want to put it into a, a box that's going to be sealed because it'll, it'll continue to cook. And we learned our lesson that way. One of the first times we cooked, right. we had we had racks of ribs stacked up in a, um, I hate using the word cooler because people think, oh, it's a cooler. But people know what we're talking about. It's an ice chest, but it doesn't have ice in it. So it actually becomes a warming holder. But we had a bunch of racks of ribs. And we put a butt in there as well, which was at 200 degrees. And, and a brisket. It, and a bris- and, and yeah. it just kept cooking the ribs. So by the end of the night, by the time we got to that last rack of ribs, it, it wasn't even distinguishable as ribs anymore. It was such a pile of right. Yeah, and try not to stack them on top of each other. Just You want them to have space to breathe and for air to cool them a little bit. Um, if, and here's where temping does make more sense. So if you, you know, if you leave them out sitting on a countertop or on a table for 20 minutes or so, temp them, see where they're at. If they're at about 150, put them up, put them in a warmer. If you know, if you've got a Cambro warming box or an, an ice cooler, as Brian was saying, or if you've got even a warming oven of some sort, you can put them in there. But you definitely need to cool them before you do that. Otherwise, you're going to have some overcooked mushy ribs by the time you go to serve them. And um, to kind of go back, if you want to do glaze on your ribs, um, what you want to do is unwrap them about and 45 minutes or so before they're done. And of course, you're kind of forecasting into the future when you're doing that. So about four hours into the cook, roughly, somewhere around there, unwrap the ribs, put a, put a nice even coat of whatever you want to glaze them with, usually barbecue sauce. But um, again, you can do some jellies and some other stuff that's actually pretty fun. Um, and run that for about another 30 to 45 minutes, unwrapped, and that'll start to glaze that on top of there, which is, gives you that nice shiny coat gives you um, a little bit of a, a more solid feel at the top so it's not runny with sauce um, but you can glaze your ribs that way right and then you know when you're ready to serve the the easiest thing to do and and you'll see you'll even see a lot of barbecue joints do this will cut the ribs upside down cut them to where the bone side is up and you can see where the actual bones are going because um, not a rack of ribs is not going to be straight up and down bones the whole way through the rack you're going to have some that turn in a little bit and you're going to find some resistance cutting it with a knife if you if you don't see where the bones are going. So if you're really proficient, you have a really sharp knife, then you can cut them meat side up. But That's otherwise, hard. It, it was a, such a great tip to it, flip them over right. when we cut them. It was yeah, a really it, big help. It does help a lot. So you can see where those bones are going. You can see where you need to make your cuts. Um, and obviously, my, my favorite ribs are going to be the middle cut ribs when you've got the biggest, meatiest bones. But I, even those end cut ribs, like I said, they've got that crunchy bacon-y almost texture to them, like a good crunchy bacon. Um, and those are some good ribs too. So uh, again, you get typically about 10 to 12 bones out of a rack of ribs. Um, those end cuts, if you're if you're doing this for service for a pop-up or a restaurant or something like that, then those end cuts usually aren't going to be the most servable ribs. If, you know, you'll see a lot of barbecue joints if someone uh, you know if, if someone orders a half pound of ribs and they're just at a half pound, they might throw that end cut on there just as almost a freebie. They don't even really figure it into the weighing of of your order. Um, Or or if you're like a social media person that doesn't want to pay for your food, they might just give you an end cut rib and say, get the heck out of here. But but the end cut ribs, you you don't usually get during service. That's also good tasters if you're you're the cutter. (laughs) Set them over to the side and eat them later. Um, so, you know, that kind of includes this, and we, we'd like some feedback from you guys because um, we're not sure, you know, from a, a perspective of the podcast, if this is something that interests you or something that you want to hear. You know, we can do more topics on, on cooking and, and tips. Um, I know that we've had a lot of requests for sausage, um, and I'll get to that now that now that I have did complete the sausage camp as well as everything else. 
Um, we'll certainly have one on sausage, but um, let us know what you thought about this episode to see if this is more of what you want to hear. Um, we're, we're certainly still going to do interviews. It doesn't mean that we're going to not do interviews, but um, if you don't want to hear this stuff, we won't do it. That's fine with us too, but just let us know either way. Right. Yeah. No, we, uh, we want to give you what you want to hear. And, and again, we're not saying we're the experts on it, but we've made some mistakes and we've done some things well, and we're trying to apply all of that to, uh, to help you guys out whenever you'd like to as well. Um, we've got a lot of interviews lined up over the next few months. We're trying to get all over the state, trying to get a lot of people on record. Uh, we're going to still try to get you all these stories from these great people in this industry. Um, if, uh, if you know anyone you'd like us to talk to, please, by all means, let us know, and we'll, uh, we'll try to get them on the schedule as soon as possible. Outstanding. Well, thanks for listening, and uh, we'll get back to you in about another week or so with another episode. Thanks, everybody. See you.